What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. We're back two times in a row, Wednesday night. John, I know I, I know you're ready to rock. You're excited. What's going on? I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm thinking about this last couple of days and messaging you. I'm like, I can't wait to record. Can't wait to record. So I'm excited. All right. So we're going to... We're going to get through a bunch of stuff tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll be a little bit more um, Ginsu knife of a podcast th- this time because we have stuff on MMA, a little bit on MMA. We'll talk boxing, and of course, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're always looking to talk pro wrestling. So Look, look at you, Ginsu knife. <laughs> I love it. I was trying to think of another word that shows... That sh- that shows that you know that that we can actually talk about d- different topics, but for whatever reason, Ginsu Knife was the one that came to mind. We're on pace for our best show, <laughs> but, now, but now we're just gonna fall. <laughs> as long as there's no dog barking in the background. Uh, yeah, yeah, espresso. <laughs> Chill out, man. Uh, okay, so this is more of a heads up than anything else, just to to folks possibly for next week, which is. I will be uh, covering Bellator this weekend. So if anything cool happens this weekend at the show, uh, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, also be at the, the uh, media thing that they're doing tomorrow. So if there's anything that comes out of that, that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll talk about it as well. Um, make it to make it to interview Alima. I'm, I'm not sure yet, but make it to do a sit down if we can figure it out. Yeah, that'd be great because I think you know she deserves uh, some attention. She's, uh, I think she's kind of like under the radar still. You know, she's a champion and and had that great fight, but like still, you know, Bellator's still kind of under the radar with a lot of people. So it'd be kind of cool to get her get her name out there even more. So I hope you guys do get that interview. So let's kick it off with a very like totally boxing story. Which is Anthony Joshua supposed to face Big Baby Miller at Madison Square Garden in the uh, I think it's June first. Yep. And so what what happened is that uh, this, this is coming from uh, our buddy Doan. He's the one who actually told me this because I was kind of wondering how the drug testing worked for this fight. He said that Joshua pays for Vada testing for all of his fights. So he pays for himself to be tested and he pays for his opponent to be tested. And so I don't know if Big Baby Miller didn't know that this was the case or not because he failed three separate drug tests. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know what Big Baby Miller looks like, he looks like a... I would say an NFL offensive lineman more than he actually does a boxer. He's upwards of 300 pounds, maybe even heavier, which is because of the drugs that he failed for, and is not the kind of svelte guy that you would think of who would take steroids. And I know, I I, I, I do know that part. I, people keep saying, oh, you know, you're making fun of this guy. Anybody could take steroids, even Lance Storm. Tech uh, replied back to my thing. I, I know, I know, I get it. I, I understand this. I've studied steroids a lot. What I'm saying is, is this guy? It's it's just sort of com- comedic that he's the one of all these of all these gigantic human beings that pass steroid tests left and right. The one guy who fails the test is 315 pound big baby Miller. 
Dude, what, what did he? He took one of the failed tests. He was like some G fifteen X death or something like yeah, that. It was yeah. like one of the most dangerous things you can take. Yeah, it was basically like an endurance drug. So, you know, when you and I get on the uh, on the treadmill and go for a, a jog or a fast walk, you know, at some point you start breathing a little heavy and your heart rate goes up. For Big Baby Miller, the test, the the drug that he took was supposed to uh, not basically allow that to happen like he like he, he doesn't get tired while he's doing cardio so, so that I mean that that's what the drug was um, and so he he not only failed for that he also failed for human growth hormone <laughs> and you don't, you rarely hear anybody fail for human growth hormone because of how quickly in and out of your uh, of your system it is so he's he may be the single most unlucky guy in boxing to get caught for human growth hormone. And then he failed for EPO, which is another, you know, endurance thing with the, which is, you know, it's more, most famous for, for Lance Storm, Lance Storm, Lance Armstrong. I was thinking, I got my, I got my Lances mixed up. Not Lance, oh, not Lance Storm. You're going to get an email now. Not Lance Storm. Lance EPO, Armstrong that was, the, was that was that the same uh, steroid that TJ Dillashaw also took or something like that, right? TJ did fail for EPO as well. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And uh, our buddy uh, Matt Prentice uh, actually mentioned this, which is these guys when they're taking all of these endurance drugs and then they are cutting weight at the same time, like it's really dangerous. <laughs> like it's not like smart to do that stuff for your body. So. Um, so yeah, so, so those three drugs he failed for. So now, you know, you have this Madison Square Garden main event, Anthony Joshua's first fight in the U.S., uh, and it's, it's a disowned fight, big, big deal. Uh, so you're Big Baby Miller, and you've never made more than, let's say, 500K in a fight before. And for this fight, you're probably going to make like five or six times that amount just because of who you're fighting and where you're fighting. And then he had another clause in his contract that said he would get two more fights after this, win or lose. So Joshua beats him. He still gets two more fights uh, at X value uh, of money or whatever. So, you know, for all four failing uh, steroid tests he probably is losing out on like $5 million. And that is 10 times more than he's ever made for a boxing match before. So like the worst, one of the dumbest things I think ever uh, for this sport. Um, and then the, but the other thing is that they now need to find a new opponent. And they're like, how do you find an opponent? You know, you're, you're, we're like six weeks, five and a half weeks away from the fight. And now they have to find a new opponent. So, uh, Luis Ortiz, who fought Deontay Wilder and gave actually gave Deontay a great, a great fight. He had talked about, you know, he he thought that the money was too low, but this is also a guy who really hasn't fought for big money before, so he may have gone in thinking he was going to get, you know, X and and tried to leverage his way or bargain his way into, into more money, and they were just like, eh, you're too dangerous anyway. So <laughs> so uh, so we're going to find someone else. So they they are still without. A, an opponent for Joshua. There's a bunch of names that are sort of out there. No, no one that you would even recognize. I, like I have a hard time really knowing who these guys are too. So 
that's where we stand with this. And I was just, you know, it just kind of, it, it bothered me, not to the point of like that I needed to see this fight because it's not probably not a great fight. The reason why Big Baby Miller was picked is because he's talkative, like he could talk a good fight. And his whole spiel was how Joshua was on steroids. And, um, but I just, I just, it's almost like, you know, you have these opportunities and if there was one way to just like screw up the opportunity every step of the way, Big Baby Miller figured it out. Like just, he wrote the book on how to screw something up. So I just thought that that was an interesting story. And for people who don't follow boxing as closely, who, who may, you know, be interested, like it's just, it's, it's so bad. And uh, it's, it's a way to, you know, to really kind of, make make your you know you, you know you think about um the rocky story right it's you know his whole life was one in a million and he got a shot and 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 that's kind of like the feel good story it's kind of not not to say that big baby miller is going to be the champion but that's kind of what like what that is is you get chosen to be an opponent and because of being an opponent we're going to take care of you you know for the next two fights as well and you'll be able to come out of this with much more money than you than you've ever had in your life and then you just literally just flush it down the toilet. So sad story for Big Baby Miller. Just uh, just kind of bothered me. But um, yeah. Big uh, Baby Miller, dick of the week. <laughs> or uh, I think Brian Alvarez is, is a geek of the week. Uh, he almost put himself on, on geek of the week, by the way, because he is a, uh, a an opponent. Like, he hates the finish, the distraction finish that happens in WWE. And he had a match with Orange Cassidy, WrestleMania weekend, and he lost via distraction finish. So he, he was talking about making himself Geek of the Week uh, for WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, Brian Alvin, Brian Alvarez and I are gonna we're gonna break down that Orange Cassidy match. Yeah, you guys are gonna talk about it. This you, you guys are on, on on when you when you guys are on the road to uh, Union City. Yep, yep, uh, big match uh, against Jungle Boy, APW Union City. Um, Eden Landings, the show title, so it should be pretty good. Finally, finally got that uh, Brian Alvarez Jungle Boy match booked. I know. I, I'm so bummed that I'm gonna miss it too. Uh, that was the one. That was the one I've been wanting to watch. Well, um, we'll meet up afterwards, I think. So we'll be yeah, good. yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Then you guys can tell me all about it. Um, and so, uh, by the way, that Jungle Boy video that he put up the other day of him scaling that that. Uh, what was he do? What was that? It was like a it's cliff like, the, or... like just basically like my, well, I used to do this as a kid, but like, I mean, that's in this extreme, but like just rock jumping, right? Like just kind of going from rock to rock. And they, yeah, he's got that one big rock. He's a, he's a, just this amazing athlete who has such a unique charisma. And, um, he is, uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen Jungle Boy, um, if you're in the Bay Area, come on out, you know, this Saturday to, uh, Union City, go check him out in, in action. But like you know, he's gonna do so well in AEW. He just has, just it's it's not like this over the top like personality, like a a rock or something like that. But like he just has like you just kind of like you see him and you just kind of you just kind of you just want to root for him. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, back in action uh, this, this Saturday. And of course, we got to see him back at you know in New York during WrestleMania week. So that was cool. We got to hang out and catch up. And uh, but I'm looking. For, forward to seeing him back in that ring apw ring and uh defend his apw lightweight championship against brian alfred so should be good you know i i this is one of those moments where i where i'm like man i wish i was like 20 years younger because 
what I would do strategically is I would figure out a way to be like third or fourth person in the Jungle Boy posse because <laughs> that dude is going to be like the biggest chick magnet in, in wrestling. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Uh, I mean, kid, it's a re- this is like the reinvention of like the Fantastics and the Rock and Roll Express all in one dude. This is, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I hope he never cuts his hair. God. I know. They cut his hair AEW. We just, just throw a grenade in the office of that building and just blow it up because that would be the stupidest moving wrestling history not the stupidest but we don't mean it'd be, it'd be horrible it'd be very dumb yes i agree um so if you want to check out that video his instagram handle it may even be on twitter too but i think he is at boy underscore myth underscore legend i believe that's his social media handle um so we'll stay on the boxing uh, tip for a couple of more minutes because i want to get your reaction to this which is so saturday night our buddy, Danny Acosta, and I went to uh, a bar in San Jose called The Blue Chip. Dude, I was so jealous, bro. I saw these. I saw your message back and forth. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it, it was good. No, look, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And the next time we do it, you know, we'll, we'll you know, you, we'll make sure that, that you can make it. But uh, so what we were trying to do was we were trying to go to a movie theater like we had done, like you and I had done for Pacquiao mm-hmm. Broner. And no movie theater was showing this fight. They didn't have the deal or whatever. There wasn't a, It wasn't on Fathom Events. So, so Danny did a search in uh, to find a place to, to watch it. And I guess he had watched a fight at Blue Chip a couple years ago. So he decided to call them. They're like, yeah, you know, we're showing it. I had been there once before myself, but this was a few years ago when uh, JJ wanted to watch some, like, video game tournament or something at at the old <laughs> Civic Auditorium. So I, I dropped him and his buddy off, and I just kind of hung hung around downtown San Jose. And so it's a it's a it's a really nice sports bar, a very downtown San Jose has that 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 vibe. But they blew out the TV part of it, and they have couches in there now. I wouldn't you know this fight wasn't a humongous draw or anything, so it's not like it was super packed. But it was it was it was a blast. I would definitely go back there and, and watch fights again. Um, and so, uh, so Danny and I, we watched the fight and in this fight, it was Terrence Crawford, who Bob Arum is trying to say is the, uh, the next Sugar Ray Leonard and Terrence Crawford fought Amir Khan. I think most of us knew what was going to happen here. Amir Khan is, is always game, but he just doesn't really have the skill set anymore. And his chin is not, uh, is not his best friend. And so we all figured, you know, you know, mid, mid to late rounds, he's probably going to get stopped. So he's getting his butt kicked. In the first round, I thought the fight was going to be over. But, you know, Khan is game, like I said. And he's hanging in there, and it gets to round, like, six. And I thought they are going to stop it, you know, after round five. Nope, they let him go. All of a sudden, Crawford throws, like, this wacky low blow. Now, I'm not saying that it did not hit a piece of Amir Khan's protective cup. It possibly did. But it basically looked like he hit him square on the the mid-thigh of Khan. So Khan gets hit, immediately braces himself, and they go back to the corner, and he basically tells 
Virgil Hunter that he cannot continue. <laughs> so <laughs> you have all of these people, and I, I'm saying all, I have no idea how many people bought this show at $70, who paid $70 to watch Crawford and Khan for Khan to quit because of a low blow. Now, if, you know, I think what happens is if you cannot go on, it just goes to the cards. And it could have been like a strategic move if Khan was maybe winning the fight. I've never seen a guy quit while getting killed uh, because usually they want to keep going because they they think that, you know, they have a chance to come back and, and win the fight. Now, the part of where Amir Khan decided that he didn't want to get beat up anymore, I'm totally fine with that, except if it was like a TV fight and not a pay-per-view fight, because I think a lot of those fans felt ripped off. But it was like the worst pro wrestling angle of all time, because I was just like, here's Amir Khan, he's you know fighting his butt off, he doesn't have it, he's got a you know pretty large fan base, and that fan base is you know just probably happy to see him compete and, and not get destroyed in the first round. And the at the end of the fight, everyone was just like, well... I guess he doesn't want to get hurt anymore, and it was just, uh, it was frustrating, I'm sure, for people who bought that fight. Now, I, I like I said, I totally get it. He's he's he was not going to win that fight, and so he saved himself a beating, which like uh, you know, which I'm fine with, except for that part of where you know all these people paid so much money to watch you go toe to toe, like you said you were going to do, and then you kind of saved yourself for the next fight, which is maybe going to be against Kell Brook, and then and then he'll stop fighting. But I just thought of you when we were watching this because I'm like, how would John have booked this in the worst way possible? I think I found the way that he would have booked this in the worst way possible. Quitting from getting hit <laughs> low when it was really on your thigh and you cannot go on anymore. Well, first of all, I would have booked some crap like this, by the way. I know. I'm just saying, like, what's the worst way anyone could have booked this? And that's how they did it. I would have booked it where he got hit. And he took a bump to the outside <laughs> and hurt his knee and he couldn't continue or something. <laughs> I hate that. But this is what I love about boxing. And I know people are pissed off that pay 70 bucks, but I, you know, I didn't. So when I hear the story, I'm like, this is what I love about boxing. Just always some freaking wackiness. And like, you know, like just from like the parachute guy, right? Like, <laughs> there's just so much wackiness that happens in boxing. Holyfield and, and uh, Riddick Bow, right? Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that always happens in boxing. It's just in general happens in the fight games, which so like you'll be watching something in MMA and some wackiness will happen, right? I mean, I mean, I saw like early on Bellator shows, Bellator shows a gentleman named Eric Prindle, heavyweight, and like multiple low blows happened in this fight. Like, like what the hell is going on? Like, why would you just sit there soccer kick a dude in the nuts? Like, just like blatantly in front of the referee, just totally wacky that's one of the best things about the fight games like you just don't know what's going to happen because it's real and it's live yeah so that, that sounds like man, I'm, I'm bummed that i didn't you know get to hang out with uh, you and danny and you know i see danny apw shows he takes great pictures and yeah he's got he, he's got a cool little brand uh going now called grapple necks where he's uh he's posting some really great photos he goes to APW shows, like you said, but he also goes to I think it's was it PCW Ultra or something? Is that the is that the company in yeah, LA? Yeah, he's, he's he's been uh, going all around and he takes just breathtaking photos. He's such a great artist. I mean, great writer. I mean, beautiful writer. I mean, I just I enjoy reading his work. Um, I like to see him 
go back into that. But right now he's enjoying the, uh, you know, the shooting the photos. He's writing scripts. He's, you know, filming a movie. He's like always working, always working on something. He's just like, he's just so creative and he, and such a fun guy to talk to. And, and like, maybe we should all get together and watch. Cause I, I do want to want to watch the Joshua fight. So yeah, totally first. So maybe we can figure it out. Maybe, uh, at the fight game blog central (laughs) bring it up on the zone and 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 catch it yeah heck yeah i told him that i want to have him on one of one of the shows with the three of us as well and that's that would be one where you know hopefully we could do it in person yeah Uh, we should do it that night yeah yeah. awesome so so one of these one of these days danny will will come on this show okay so i think that the most interesting thing that happened this week so that i think there were if you count WWE uh, not being organized in their superstar shakeup, I guess that's pretty interesting because it's actually kind of newsworthy. We'll save that for the tail end of this, but uh, I, I was just thinking about, you know, what are some of the most interesting things that happened this week in uh, in wrestling? And I think the most interesting thing to me is that The Undertaker utilized the leverage move of all leverage moves he signed on to do starcast which is Con- conrad uh conrad's thing uh, which is connected to the uh, the the double or nothing show on uh, memorial day weekend in, in las vegas he was like the biggest uh you know he doesn't do these things so he was it was going to be like one of the most you know one of the biggest you know convention signings you know in a long time and WWE was not happy with him taking this booking. And so he had actually taken a couple of other bookings too, and they were able to get him to not do, uh, I think it was, uh, he was supposed to like maybe like a, a podcast or a talk or, or something like that, storytelling with The Undertaker, something like that. And they figured out a way to get him to not do it. And so when, uh, when uh, Big Dave Meltzer and I were talking about this, we uh, what what Meltzer had said was he thought that the reason why Undertaker was still going to do Starcast is because Conrad had sort of like you know the legal thing figured out and if you know he had all the right contracts and everything and and blah 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 as far as keeping Undertaker on that show and then this week we learned that the Undertaker had to be pulled off along with Kurt Angle because of WWE flexing their their muscles. And uh, and and getting both of those guys off now, that you know that that's the newsy part of it. But the interesting thing to me is, I feel like if I know pro wrestling and pro wrestling superstars and pro wrestling really like real like savvy guys who understand their value and their brand, which the Undertaker would be one of them. I sort of wonder if. He went into this whole thing thinking, you know what? I'm going to get Vince's attention. I'm going to get him to give me what I want. And unfortunately, I may have to step on some toes along the way. But this is what I want. And this is what I'm going to get. And this is how I'm going to get it. Because he is, he understands, you know, he's been around the wrestling business since, you know, the early 90s. And I feel like he probably understands Vince McMahon uh, better than most since he's been with WWE for so long. And I just feel like he leveraged himself in the best way possible and probably got Vince to give him a whole lot of money to do a whole lot of nothing. 
Yeah, no, I thought I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I mean, it sucks for Conrad, it sucks for the fans that going to Starcast and meet the Undertaker. But just like I like, I like little games like this and maneuvers like this. And you know, Undertaker knows, like you know, in the end of the day, Vince ain't gonna let him hang out with the competition. You know, even though it's a quote unquote separate event, right? But in reality, it's in conjunction with and. You know, AEW is competition at this point, and you know that was the you know Vince. You know Vince has they, WWE has enough money that they're not they're not worried about wasting it to keep Undertaker at home. Right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to Undertaker and what he does with WWE. Does he just he just hang out at home till another year until he comes does a, does a yes. Uh, WrestleMania thing for next year. We'll we'll see, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a that was a great move by the Undertaker, and he got paid uh, handsomely, and he's just back at his home with his wife and enjoying life. God bless him. Okay, so here's another question, which is like you mentioned, this has more to do with APW than it has APW AEW than it has to do with any with anything else because. Vince does not want to see his guy connected to a convention that is run during a weekend where AEW runs its second major show ever. And does this, so obviously this doesn't hurt AEW because they were not involved in, in Conrad, you know, Conrad's star. I mean, they're, they're involved to, to a point, but this is not their Starcast. It's Conrad's Starcast. Do they, the fact that Vince is reacting in this way, does it give them a little shine? Does it make them weary? Like, if you're AEW, if you're Tony Khan, how do you feel about how Vince reacted to this situation? Well, should they expected this? Like, when I, when I, I mean, I'll be honest. When I heard Undertaker's doing StarCast, I'm like, eh, I'll be shocked if he shows up. Okay, that but the, la- the last time we talked about this... You said you didn't think Vince was bothered at all. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he's just being pissed. All these people trying to complain and want to quit. Maybe he's finally getting bothered. But originally, I thought, man, he don't care. He's not going to. Right, you know, right. Undertaker's an older talent, and it's just an autograph signing. Not like he's showing up to wrestle at AEW. Sure. But you know, maybe, maybe now he's like, okay, these, these you know, these. These other talents want to complain and try to use leverage of AEW and threaten to quit. Like, let's see how they let's let's show them what I can do with like pull guys off shows, right? Mm-hmm. How much power I have to still mess with those guys over there. But again, this is not connected to AEW, right? Like Tony Khan is not like, oh wow, Vince took the Undertaker away from us. He's like, oh, that's kind of sucks for Conrad, right? Like, so even if he did think it was or wasn't going to happen. It feels to me like Vince is going to be very reactive to anything AEW does, which, because WWE is so successful, he could simply choose not to. But if we go back to WrestleMania weekend and, you know, Triple H and and, and guys are, you know, Road Dogg or whoever it was, were making fun of AEW, or more so making fun of Billy Gunn, but in in, yeah. in using Billy Gunn to make fun of AEW, and I thought it was so weird because I'm like, wow, like they 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 are not really even on the map yet to anyone other than the hardest hardcore of wrestling fans, and you're already reacting to them in in a negative way. Like I thought that was super interesting because 
back in the day, you know, WWE just, they, they didn't even mention where guys came from or where they were going. Like, it wasn't even a thought. They're like, no, we're, like, we're the game in town. Like, who cares? Yeah. But well, now, they're re- be, now they're reacting. I was surprised about that. Some of that, those little digs at Billy Gunn and AEW. I'm shocked that it happened to you. I thought they would just ignore him. But maybe it's just like buddies ripping on each other. You know what I mean? But yeah. unfortunately, it was at, on a public forum. Yeah. So he also got Angle pulled off. So it sounds like, you know, Undertaker and Angle got, you know, pretty good deals for just to, you know, continue to be part of the WWE family. But the other two, the two interesting folks that got added to StarCast just, uh, I think it was today, Kenta Kobashi is going to be there. I think he's doing a meet and greet. And the legend of Tom McGee. Tom McGee and Bret Hart are going to do a whole commentary about their famous match. Awesome. That's crazy. I'm still waiting for WWE to upload this match now with all this drama surrounding this match. And I know, I know. Apparently, they, WWE did put a stop to uh, that person who had the tape, was going to release it on YouTube, and blah, blah, blah. So, that'd be cool. If, I mean, I thought they were going to throw that on Hidden Gems ASAP, but they're holding out. But they did throw up a cool uh, Tom McGee match on Hidden Gems with Ted DiBiase, which is pretty, 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 pretty good. And Shows how great Ted DiBiase is. So. We'll uh, we'll get to more Ted in, yeah. in a little bit. Okay, so you know we'll, we'll kind of be, we'll kind of stay on 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 the AEW topic here because Cody had been uh, teasing who his opponent was going to be. If you were following the AEW Road to Double or Nothing, which I think I only watched the first two episodes, so I missed a lot of the in between, but. Everyone, you know, was was thinking that MJF was going to be the wrestler. And I was like, you know what? Like, the way that Cody is teasing this, I think it's going to be someone who we don't know and who's going to be kind of a bigger un- unveiling. And um, it turned out that I, I think Brian Alvarez was the first person I heard who thought that it was going to be Dustin. But it turns out that it is Dustin. And in the last episode of The Road to Dill or Nothing, Dust- Dustin did a promo just, you know, it was a nice video package, uh, a nice promo by Dustin to set up a match between the two brothers at Double or Nothing. Now, I think I think just on a, as a standalone, I, I really like Dustin a lot. Like, I've always liked him going back to his early WWE days with his dad. And then when he was the natural in WCW, I just thought, you know... At some point, this guy's going to be like one of the biggest stars in wrestling. And he didn't, you know, he was he was a star, but he didn't actually get there the way that I thought he would. But I've always been a fan and I always root for this guy no matter what. Like he he had the drug problems and he had the injury problems and he had the marital problems and just, you know, kind of off his rocker at some point in his career. But I've always rooted for him just because I, you know, I've been, I feel like I've been watching him since he was like 21 years old, right? So, as a standalone one-on-one match, I really want to see this. I'm excited. I think they both are going to try to have, you know, a really a really good match for the for the both of them. And I think also Cody's just kind of like, you know, look, man, you know, we both kind of deserve to have this. The the other company didn't allow us to really have this, and we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of show them a little bit. Now, the counter to that argument is, and I think this is kind of where you sit, which is why I want to get your opinion on it, which is, 
why didn't they build this for some time down the road? Yeah, definitely. When I mean, the match was announced, I was like, eh. you know, like, I, I think it's a good match and a match I want to see. I just don't, it's not a match I want to see with little or no build. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the Double Nothing episode. Um, it's like a five-minute episode. And Dustin's promo was really good. His delivery was really good. He always had an ability to cut a really good promo. And the story he's trying to tell, I get it. But without TV currently, this is a show that's built towards the hardcore people that are following AEW, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people that follow AEW are people who are on social media, who follow these guys on Twitter. And leading up, I mean, a year ago or maybe more, like, you know, Dustin has always been giving shout outs to Cody yeah. on social media and Cody's responded and it's been love back and forth between brothers you know he's happy for Cody and his success and and then Cody would always write stuff about his brother when he did something good so so like so this like trying to tell the story where Dustin's like has some issue with Cody it's like I don't believe it but with TV coming up they'll probably announce it soon probably next month like this this would be great if they did it in a year from now, you know. And I just think they're that they're just rushing it. But it maybe maybe it's, maybe it's step one of the story. But you but yeah. you did point out that it's but the last ride, right? That's what mm-hmm. they're they're calling it. And, and you know maybe Dustin can't do a long program. I know he had uh, what double knee surgery, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, maybe he just can't go. So maybe he you know feels he has one more match left in him. And maybe this is the match, you know, that the one he wants to do. But I just think, I think he can go. I think they can build something up. I think they should save it for TV because you could do something with like, like Cody and MGF and another guy like a Hammerstone who's in you know MLW and, and the other kid that's with them. They have a really nice little trio called the Dynasty. And like where it draws out Dustin, right? Draws out Dustin because Cody should start as, as a babyface in AEW, I think, right? I mean, he's part of the startup of this company, and then people are like are going to cheer him. So, I just think like you know Dustin, you know, something happens where Dustin comes in. Now they're teaming up against these guys. Now they're in a program. These guys they win this program. They're successful as a team in this program, which leads to title shot mm-hmm. with. Let's say the Young Bucks, right? They build up to a match the Young Bucks for the titles. Mm-hmm. And Cody and Dustin lose, with Dustin being the one that takes the fall. Cody, not Jesus, a great performer all around, but like he's a great baby face, but even if he's a really good heel, you know, what if, you know, something, I was thinking, like, what if they did something where, like, remember Clash 10? Where the horseman came out with Sting, Oli, Arn, and Flair. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And one of Absolutely. The best, one of the best promos, like one of my favorite promos in wrestling by Oli Anderson. But like I remember watching as a kid, and it's just, oh, interview the horseman. They're gonna talk about their match later on the night against Muda, Dragon Master, and Buzz Sawyer, right? J Tex Corporation. That's the big main event in the cage. But all of a sudden, <laughs> Oli's pissed. <laughs> And it's confusion. And cr- I mean, I remember being just shocked. 
So what if something like that, you know, happens like a promo with the Rhodes brothers and Dustin's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I apologize to Cody. I came up short, but we're going to do it, man. We're going to fight back. We're going to win the tag titles again. We're going to go with the ranks. We're going to get that towel shot. We're going to do it. And Cody's like, no, nah, we're done. <laughs> I'm done with this. I have other goals. I did this for a short time. I felt sorry for you. You know, I, you know, you failed. You can't go anymore. I need to go on my own. Mm-hmm. And Dustin's like in shock. Like, you know, I did this out of sympathy because I was thinking about our dad and thinking about Dusty and, you know, but you know what? I need to concentrate myself. And Dustin's just like shocked. And he's like, man, don't do this, man. And he's like, you know what? You just, you know, you just need to retire. And Dustin's like, I, you know, I know I didn't cut, you know, I didn't. I didn't win. I did. I came up short in that match. I did lose that fall, but man, I feel it, man. I feel it. I feel an extra. I feel. I feel like another wind. I feel I could do this. I feel we could do this together. And like Cody's like, you know what? I'm the executive here at AEW. You don't have what it takes. I'm firing your ass. And like you know, he has the power to do it. And all of a sudden, you know. There's a feud there, and there, you want to see Dustin get his revenge on his brother, mm-hmm. and it's the opposite. He's the babe face, or, or or you know, it's just it's just you know. I think there'd be something more meaty with the TV, and I think they're just. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just like I said, this is step one of you know multiple matches, but I think it's something that we'll, I would love to see built on TV, and I yeah. think that they're, they're wasting opportunity with that. If yeah. and so and so, what I wonder is if maybe Dustin feels like he's only got one match left that's what i'm thinking but and then he becomes an agent or something yeah he'd be a great agent i mean he's 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 uh he did a wb and 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 was really good at it i just think man there's just there's there's, when you have tv coming up you need these meteor meaty kind of storylines so if you can i'm not saying dustin has to wrestle every episode of you know aw tv but you could do it where it's like built up to where he comes out. He wrestles maybe one match or two matches versus let's just put MJF in that position as a heel and whoever against them. And then it gets built up to a a match with the Young Bucks or the Tag Times, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just think that you could spread it out to where it's like he's not wrestling weekly or on the house show circuit. Like he just only featured in specific matches. There's a way to do it. Here's a, here's here's another thing that I wonder is they do not have a TV contract signed yet. I think a lot of people uh, expect them to be somewhere in the Turner family, and maybe um, obviously the streaming service in that family is uh, Bleacher Report Live, and maybe they feel like you know if we are going to put this on a streaming service or as a pay-per-view Cody versus Dustin would actually do more business uh, for this show. And I wonder if there's any, you know, there, there might be some pressure to try to do, try to create some business, uh, more business than, you know, you got, you got Jericho and Omega on top, you got, you got the Bucks and the Lucha Bros. And then you're like, okay, we need, what, what's our third, you know, what's our third from the top? And it's like Cody Dustin. Like people have been wanting to see that match. Yeah. Maybe that's I, I, what it is. Yeah, true. I just think, like, God, you have something between two brothers. There's such a good storyline there that you can build to. It's like, that's something I would just wait for TV. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this show 
more as it comes. I mean, we're like a month away now. I, man, I got to get my flight for Vegas. Get on it. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we get to the into the WWE shakeup stuff, have you been able to see any of these Viceland documentaries? No, which is, you know, bone me out. I got to take advantage and find time to watch them because I've been hearing a lot of people saying a lot of good things. I definitely want to try to make time for that Gino Hernandez one, which is coming up soon. So I definitely want to watch that one. I will say you should, you know, this should be appointment viewing television. And you know what? You know what's actually interesting about these documentaries is the way that they're produced. I think your wife would actually be into them. She's, you know, not, not for the wrestling aspect, of course. But for the, you know, the the way that they tell the story where there's a buildup to everything and then, then they tell, you know, the bad news and then it leads to more bad news. And the Von Erich one is really good. Dave and I talked about it uh, last weekend or no, this weekend on, uh, yeah, yeah, last weekend on Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, I haven't seen the Gino Hernandez one yet, but I am going to watch that one soon. And uh, I, I would say definitely try to make time to watch both of those because, uh, you know, the Macho Man one, we, we know that story. Um, the uh, the Montreal screw job. I, I think you will be interested just in sort of the way they tell that story. And then the Bruiser Brody one is, is, is good as well. Like, you, you should watch that one. But the Von Erich one and the Gino Hernandez one, I think, are kind of like the, the appointment you know, television ones that, that you should yeah, check out. I mean, the Gino Hernandez really, really interests me because that's someone that, you know, known a lot, a lot of people have really covered his story, you know, other than Dave and a few others, but like, you know, for a whole documentary series on him, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, um, I definitely want to make time to watch that one for sure. Okay. So let's talk about WWE, which is a, a huge part of this show generally. I feel like there's something going on there and they like they've been unorganized in the past. They've had situations where, you know, they've had to change things script wise and they don't they don't seem like they're uh, they, they have many long term stories. But this last week was really just like just madness. It seemed like uh, last week was the shakeup. Andrade comes to Raw, uh, faces Finn Balor on his way out. And so I think because of that, we also expected Charlotte to come to Raw because they are a couple. And Charlotte didn't come to Raw. And this week on TV, uh, Andrade goes back to SmackDown. And so because Lena Vega is is with him, she has to go on SmackDown, which means... Her husband, Alistair Black, who was on Raw previously, also has to go to SmackDown. It just seems like they are uh, unorganized, I think, is a a good word. There may be a better word for it. But, man, when you, you know, they have this humongous opportunity ahead of them in the fall when they go to SmackDown. And I hope this is part of sort of getting their act together so that they can really you know perform for that network but geez it just feels like whatever they're doing right now it's like man like it's not not that it's wcw all over again but geez like there's just such a successful company doesn't really do things in this manner i just i i don't know what's going on over there 
yeah, it's it's but you know, I'm not surprised because like all the rush storylines for building to WrestleMania was just like not really well done and like since of like previous years, you know, like it just they're just like really flying by the seat of their pants, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And it's hurting the product. It's hurting these, you know, people's interest in the product and people's interest in these wrestlers and, and getting connected to these storylines. Because like I didn't watch SmackDown, so I didn't know how they explained Andrade and Lena going back. So I think it had to do with Finn. I think maybe I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other, th- th- I mean, this this wasn't it, right? There's so many other things. So the War Raiders, who was mm-hmm. previously War Machine, but when they went to NXT, War Raiders, the, the the NXT Tag Team Champions, they come to Raw, and their name gets changed to the Viking Experience. That name was wacky. <laughs> I kind of got a kick out of it because I was like, what in the hell is going on when I saw them mm-hmm. as the Viking experience? So, you know, I think that became sort of like when you when you think about the wackiness of pro wrestling and just the goofiness and stuff that doesn't make sense. I sort of started liking the war experience name because I'm just, wow, like just this is just like off the off the rocker. Vince is like going crazy. And so I kind of felt found myself enjoying the name. Uh, one of the guys on our board, Brady, uh, Brady, he 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 was trolling people all over the Internet. Whenever anyone mentioned the War Raiders, he would just reply with the Viking experience like he, he just really got a kick out of that name. So then, on Raw this week, they become the Viking Raiders. What what's going on? Like, why? Who cares about these stupid name changes? And why are we getting them? Why are they not the War Raiders? Why were they not War Machine? Like, why? Like, I feel like you know this is a this is a lot of attention on something that is not that important. Just Vince hasn't had an issue. Maybe he never really liked the War Raider name. That should be called the Viking Experience or Viking something. And Do you know that one of the names on the list was the Berserkers? Yeah, so I did read that, <laughs> and, which I think is awesome. But uh, I wish it was that. So the bad. Viking Raiders, I think, is a uh, a much better name than the Viking Experience for sure. But yeah, I think it's just Vince being Vince and just one of those frustrating things when you have a CEO and he do you have a plan and you have things going on all of a sudden it's like I'm gonna throw a monkey wrench and everyone's gonna be freaking out but I, this is the way I, this is the way it's gonna be this is what I say blah 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 so it's one of those and you know they shouldn't have been called up yet you know they shouldn't have called up now it's just they're NXT tag champions and they should just let them finish out that run maybe till SummerSlam and then be called up but like yeah it's just silly so Samoa Joe is also on Raw. Last week he was going to be on Raw, but he was ill. Uh, but he came in sort of unannounced, just on Raw. Uh, Ricochet is now by himself. And people were telling me uh, that how great it's going to be when Ricochet and Aleister Black split up. And I was like, why? They're a freaking amazing tag team already. They're like, no, you know, they need to be separate. And I was like, but yeah, I just, but, but here's the problem. 
when you separate them, they are unprotected. In the tag team division, they're sort of protected. And what happens? Ricochet loses his first match away from Aleister Black to the new Robert Roode, Bobby Roode. And it's just like, I'd rather see them together as a team because at least I know they'll be in really good matches and they'll be pushed to some level. I mean, they should be separate and pushed. But, I mean, once I saw him lose a Robert Roode, I was like, oh, man, that's not a good sign. So, that, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't understand. I, I wouldn't book him to lose. I wouldn't book, you know, I would definitely keep the momentum going as a singles. But you're right. I mean, I know that the, the attacking division is not as, as strong as the singles side of it and not as protected. But like, I still think. I, I thought those guys' tag team was just a waste because they're both two different characters. I think Alistair's better on his own, um, even though they, they made a good team. But I just think, like, you have Alistair, such a unique character, just keep him on his own. And, but push him. Like, don't make him lose for a very long time, you know, until it means something. But losing on Raw to Robert Roode is just, I mean, not that Robert Roode's not talented or a good character. It's just, it's just like he, Robert Roode could be anyone else, right? Yep, yep. And why they pick Ricochet? Like that just, just that shit just throws me nuts. There, there is. I think there is some thought that, um, not that he could be in trouble. Like I don't think he's in on anyone's bad side because you know he's he shouldn't be. But did you hear about the um, thing that he did where he was like trying to get the GoFundMe going for his? I think it's like his mom's house burned down or something. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that yeah. was like I wonder if that was kind of like out of mm-hmm. out of I, range for what WWE would have wanted him to do in that situation or something like that. But but NXT's been promoting it, right? Yeah, so yeah. On the site, so maybe I don't know. I don't know. I just think they just thought like, okay, Ricochet is going to wrestle by Robert Roode, and he's going to be able to do all of his high flying stuff. He's going to be strong most of the match, but in the end, Robert Roode's going to win. So he'll lose, but he'll still be over by doing all these sensational stuff. Um, but uh, I get that philosophy. I understand it. But but it doesn't work here because you need to keep these guys winning and get them over. And, and like, you know, it's just, just you, like, you could have put anyone in that spot. Like, yep. where the yep. heck is Zack Ryder? You know what I mean? Or, or oh, he's, he's like a that. tag team champion, oh, Zack Ryder. <laughs> Sorry about that. But you know what I mean? Like a guy like that. Like where's the where's the like lower end baby face for Bob Roo could beat in three minutes and Ricochet could beat another low lever heel in three to four minutes and be featured, you know? Just do like kind of bring back the squash matches again, you know? Yep, yep. Um have you seen the the Robert Rude meme that's out there? The father stuff? Yeah. Is that what you're about? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Pretty fun. <laughs> That cracked me up. Uh, if you if you haven't go check it out. It's it's Robert Rude with the mustache saying that you know you, you you know your mother and I are now are now a couple and you're just gonna have to deal with like it's it's hilarious. Yeah, I I, I don't like everyone's like freaking out with the name change. I'm like I don't. Nah, it's fine. Robert Rude, Bobby doesn't bother me. It's fi- it's fine except for the fact that WWE would usually not go use some other company's gimmick to get a guy over. But you know, I'm I'm excited that you know that at least for now that they're going to push him. I think he's a very talented wrestler and, and uh, talented personality. He has a good personality. I think I just think they were kind of wasting him in that tag team with Chad Gable, and 
you know, so I'm kind of I'm excited that he's going to be featured now and you know, given a chance. So I just don't think he should have been at Ricochet's expense. Okay, a couple of the big programs heading into Money in the Bank. So have you seen what they've been doing with Becky Two Belts? Yeah, she's going to defend both, right? So she's defending the Raw title against Lacey Evans on the pay-per-view and then coming back and I'm assuming in the main event I'm assuming she and Charlotte may, may, may be the main event of that show mm-hmm. uh, and so she's wrestling twice and I can't figure out why like what what are they why are they trying uh, not, not that they're trying but what's going to happen is is they are going to water her down and she's going to not be as over as she once was with the way that they're doing this. Yeah, but we're kind of expecting this, though, right? We, I, I think post-WrestleMania, she was going to be getting even more steam. I just figured they would cool her down because post-WrestleMania, this day and age is like, <laughs> they don't have much, they don't really have much coming out of WrestleMania. So I wasn't expecting too much. I assume that she's going to retain her title against Lacey Evans early in the night. Maybe Lacey Evans hurts her. She gets hurt during the match. I assume Charlotte will regain the title via defeating an injured or weakened Becky Lynch. And so now you have the belt. We're going to go to that again. Becky's going to be hurt. Yeah, she'll be on another crutch for a while. <laughs> and then hop off of the ring apron onto the floor with yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, the other programs, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, which I think will be a great match. Um, and then on the on the SmackDown side, I mean, this doesn't sound very good for, for Daniel Bryan. If uh, Kevin Owens is now facing Kofi Kingston on the SmackDown side, like, I really wonder what's going on with Daniel. Yeah, that's weird. Um, well, they're just trying to freshen things up, but I think there's still some... St- Definitely plenty of steam left in Daniel Bryan and, and the, with Kofi. So that was kind of goofy. Maybe that's going to end up being a three-way program eventually. But, I mean, but it, I, I mean, he's got to be – like, is he hurt? Like, they haven't said anything about him. Uh, I hope not. Oh, God, I but, hope not too. Jeez. But I guess maybe he maybe comes in and interferes in that match. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I hope it's something like that and it's not – him being being hurt from WrestleMania or something. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Monday Night Raw, nineteen ninety three. I think the date here is April nineteenth. I think something yeah. like that. So thirteenth episode ever. Uh, I believe this is Rob Bartlett's last show. I, I don't remember enough if he came back at any time or did some interviews but I think as far as him being one of the three guys on the broadcast I think this is his last show is he on Starcast <laughs> he should be <laughs> I I would go say hi to Rob I feel like I feel like he's like my best friend I've been watching him so much yeah you should definitely get that interview <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so they, the uh, I like one one thing that I like about the show is that it's pretty clear that Vince hasn't found like the sweet spot of this show yet, and he's like doing lots of different things. Last week, uh, the best match on the show was the first match. This week, the best best match of the show is right in the middle. 
So he's kind of, you know, trying out like how you know how, how what's the flow of this show going to look like? How you know what's is it? Do we need everything in the main event? Like how are we how are we building this show? So I, I like that about about you know Raw. Now we're in episode thirteen. There, it, it, he's not dead set on what the formula is. Also, yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. And also, he starts the show with uh, promos. And it's not like the old Saturday night main event promos where it's just like one punchline and, and the, you know, it's a little bit longer than that, but but it's a little bit more serious. There's like, a, they're like in shadows or something. Like it was, the way that it was it shot was, like, was interesting. It was like those old 80s pictures in elementary school where it's just like that one you smiling and the other one looking away. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like to me. So that's how they kick off the show. And last week we ended with the Beverly brothers and uh, money incorporated uh, set uh, in, a, in a little bit of uh they had a little bit of a problem with each other and gonna set up a match next week on raw so they hyped that up really well for that one week and we could see that match this week and they kicked it off with promos for both teams um, and non non-title right but that was interesting and we'll we'll get to sort of the psychology of the match in a little bit because it was the whole match was a little weird to me. I mean, I, I liked the match from from a performance perspective, but just the match psychology and the good te- who was the good guy, who was the bad guy, like that confused me throughout the whole thing. Um, but let's start with the very first match, which is Razor Ramon against our buddy Virgil. Man, dude. <laughs> I was all good with the Razor coming out, and all of a sudden he said his poems me Virgil. I was like, oh my. Gosh, because it's Virgil, they don't treat him like the jobber uh, of all jobbers, like they do with some of the guys, some of the enhancement talent on Raw that we've seen. They give Virgil a little bit, and they always give him a, a little bit of a comeback because you know the fan. He you know he had some. You know, we can go back to WrestleMania Seven where he did have you know the fans behind him. Uh, you know, at some point, so the fans still see him as sort of a guy, but uh, you know, I his wrestling is so bad at this point that I'm just like, come on, like, can we just like hurry up and beat this guy? Like, why does this match so long? Yeah, it was way too long. Virgil's never been good. I mean, just was never that good. Even back and before he went to WWF, he was the Memphis and Soul Train Jones, and watching those matches were horrible. Um, this match was. Okay, there was a moment in the match when uh, <laughs> Virgil was trying to go for a, a cradle, but Razor had nothing, wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> just basically like grabbed the rope, or maybe Razor forgot or something. Something got flubbed up, and then there was a moment after that when the cutoff was Virgil going for a drop kick and Razor holding on to the rope. So I think Razor thought they were going to that spot with the uh, cutoff, mm. and and. Virgil had uh, a little more offense in him, you know, one more hope before he got cut off. Oh, man. But what I did like is like, man, I I remember those days when a cutoff was just so simple like that, a missed drop kick, you know. Well, there's another cutoff in a match. I think it's the last match with Bam Bam where he just like swats the drop kick. <laughs> he's just yeah. like, he's like, nope, you're done. But man, the today, this day and age though, like I'd be in the locker room and hearing guys go over their matches and talk about like, and they'll sit there and in silence, both deep in thought, trying to figure <laughs> out a, like a, 
like a you know <laughs> figure out like the cutoff and i'm like just miss a move or something <laughs> simple like i remember i'm not gonna get names but like this is back in when i was managing and these two guys are going through a match and it's like and they're like they're sitting i'm watching them in the ring and they're like you know they're both like in the opposite corners like i'm like what's going on and the wrestler i was managing he goes oh, man, i'm just trying to think of a cutoff and I'm like, well, he's a small guy, so why don't you just miss a cross body off the top or miss a cross body off the second or and just crash and burn, and then there's a cutoff. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. I'm like, <laughs> it just should be this simple, boys. <laughs> like, you don't overthink the cutoff. Which maybe maybe you'll like, put some time to the finish maybe, but, like, the cutoff? Come on, let's keep it simple. People mm-hmm. overthink things way too much. So the second match... And I'm I'm in on Giant Gonzalez, if only for this match against L.A. Gore. He mm-hmm. looked like an absolute monster in this match. He the, felt good. He ran to the ring. The, the only thing I didn't like was he threw a sidekick at L.A. Gore, and he could barely get his foot off the floor. I appreciate the attempt. But I just wish he would have did something different. Like, can't you, like do a forearm to the back or something like why did you have to throw a sidekick it looked terrible or just a big boot or something like that right yeah yeah, yeah so but, you know, he it was a good like it was a good squash definitely yeah no I, I thought i was like okay like this is the first time that i've seen him on wwe tv where i'm like okay outside of the goofy ring outfit like he really looked like a monster and he beats yeah. la gore with a choke slam into the pin and uh, yeah, it's all, it's a, I, I was completely fine with this. I really he looked liked he it. looked like he looked fired up because, like I say, he he ran to the ring and and I mean I, you know, I guess he didn't run. He was more of a, a brisk jog, but you know <laughs> he you know he with those bad knees, you know like yeah, that's tough to do. And he came out there and he had fire, and you know I think it's one of the better performances I've seen Elegante have or Giant Gonzalez have. So pretty cool. So as I as I mentioned, you know Vince is kind of testing things out here. He has a crazy Luna Vachon interview where I don't exactly know what she said, but they spliced together two different video packages of her and Sherry Martell fighting in the midst of her talking over the the video. And I I, I mean, it it was sort of like, um, you know, an Ultimate Warrior used to do those interviews where... Like the it was more delivery than what he actually said because you didn't really understand what he was talking about. Like hmm. that's kind of what this was like, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like I would be fine if I never heard Luna Vachon do another interview ever again. Yeah, just when I was watching, I was thinking like, yeah, this is the time when the father, my father comes in. <laughs> just, like, why are you watching this crap? Or <laughs> friends that are into wrestling sees come in and watch you watching this and they're like this is stupid like this is one of those this is one of those put the cat bill down and like mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah I'm a wrestling fan you know just... how, how come your dad never walked in during Flair Steamboat um, he did sit down with me to watch Flair Sting oh did he yeah yeah Bash 90 he was all into it like he was like yeah let me know when that Flair match comes on Sting but okay <laughs> he's cool. out mowing the lawn I told him hey dad it's about to start and he came in and watched that match that's cool um, okay, so the next match is uh, Tatanka, who I've been very high on 
as we were recapping these shows. He's facing a guy named Art Thomas, and I immediately Mark, thought, Mark, oh, Mark Thomas. Okay, because I, I thought it was Art Thomas, and I was like, wait a second. Do, are they copying Sailor Art's name? Like, what's going on here? But Mark Thomas, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Um, they had a, they had a, a, little, a little bit of a communication issue, but the camera, whoever was the, the director on the show, called to a camera on the other side of the ring to where you didn't see as much of the botch as, as I think there was like a sending a guy sending him into the ropes or something where they, maybe he wasn't supposed to go and then they stopped and they cut to the other side and and so you didn't really see the botch a, a, as much as you would have but um, you know normal Tatanka like he's he's pretty much on fire at this point still and uh, I think do, what it do, didn't uh did Doink walk out at some point? Was it in this, match, this match or was, or was it, it was the Bam Bam match? That's what it Bam was because because yeah. Doink has kind of been walking out in in random matches. I think he walked out on Tatanka's match last week. But yeah, yeah like yeah. it was it was it was you know it was normal normal Tatanka wins with his uh, with his finisher. Yeah, it was it was it was an okay match. There was a little flub up there. Um, uh, Mark Thomas, uh, enhancement guy, Northeast, uh, good look, good build. Um, decent wrestler not bad at all and um, i remember seeing him on those you know sports channel america random indie shows Mm -hmm. you know he was called the condor (laughs) wow and he's uh was uh, i think it's north american naw nawa out of new york and i remember um i remember him wrestling on that show but he was he was actually not bad and um i'm surprised I was surprised back then, you know, he didn't get signed WBF, you know. Cause he actually like, had a kid pretty good look. Yeah, he had a good look, and um, they gave him time. They gave him some offense. Um, there was a moment after the uh, – yeah, I don't think the talk expected to get whipped off or, I don't know, something got messed up. And then the referee tells Mark Thompson uh, – Mark Thomas, sorry, uh, one. Basically, they got one minute to go. And, and Mark Thompson <laughs> – Mark Thomas grabs a – grabs an arm got the Tonka and basically tells him like okay just just take over now and all of a sudden like Tonka went from zero to hero and just basically went did the war dance and did this big chop thing and then did the the, the the end of the trail Simone drop and one two three it was just like there was like this weird transition between like Mark Thomas Thomas being on offense to to Tonka making his comeback it wasn't as smooth it just like just kind of came out of nowhere it was, it was this really funky match so the next match was our it wasn't in the main event slot but it was the one that we were looking forward to which is money inc versus the beverly brothers and the weird thing about this to me was based on how the uh the angle went on the previous show i fully thought the beverly brothers were going to work as heels in this match i mean work as baby faces in this match but it was almost like both teams just took turns working as heels when it came to, you know, keeping their keeping the guy in the corner and getting the ref, you know, kind of fooling the ref and, you know, the other team thinking that they have the tag and they don't actually have the tag. Like the, this, the psychology was just off to me. Like what, what like why would they do it in this way? Because they're both heels. I know, but didn't you think someone... that the Be- didn't you think the Beverlys were going to actually work as babyfaces though? Like based off of the angle from the previous week. 
But I think the the idea they want to get over is that they're no one's turning babyface. The Bengals are not turn babyface. They're still heels. They're just happening to be working with two other heels, and they're still going to cheat and do stuff behind the ref back. But you know, eventually it did s- s- settle down into that role of the ba- of Bengals being the kind of that babyface in peril. Yeah, you know, a lot of heat on on uh, on Wayne Bloom or or Blake Beverly. And um, so that yeah that he did and he finally made the hot tag blah 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 but yeah it was a good match I enjoyed it I was bummed I didn't get to see because like it to me like I love the power slam and like nowadays every kid on the indies wants to do like the Randy Orton power slam right mm-hmm. it has to be fast and quick like but like to me like the best power slams there's three guys um, one Teddy Biasi has just a beautiful smooth power slam. Uh, which, if you watch that Tom McGee match on Hidden Gems, he hits it as a finisher, and it looks like it's beautiful. And uh, Mike Enos, uh, Bo Beverly, like, one of the best power signs. I always loved So I was, like, waiting for one of those two to kind of hit that move. And and I was bummed, like, no, neither guy hit it. And I was like, oh, man. You know, I kind of want to see one of those. But uh, other than that, I thought it was, it was a fun match, and it was cool to see the Battle Buzz and something of importance to the rest of the Bushwhackers. And, and, um, and, uh, and we found out from... Our buddy Nick, that uh, with some little little gem, that this was Wayne Bloom's last match in the WWF. He was gone, so that was a, that's a bummer to me because now I'm like, damn, I want to see more Beverly. Fight. I know, I really <laughs> like they had the match with the Steiners, and then now they have this match, and I'm like, I'm I'm here for it. Like let let's keep bringing them out. Uh, so DiBiase wins with a roll up after he ducks the uh, the double team spot that turns mm-hmm. into a clothesline where the guy clotheslines his own guy, which is a callback to why they got upset with each other from the previous show and why they kind of had the feud all together, the the one match feud. So here's another really interesting thing as you look back in hindsight. Vince interviews, uh, calls out Brett. Brett has this, this long interview. First time we've seen Brett since WrestleMania where he kind of gets screwed out of, uh, out of the title. Gets hit, you know, with salt in the eyes, gets pinned, uh, you know, the strongest salt in the eyes ever because he couldn't kick out even, you know, just because he was blinded. And then, you know, does the ultimate, like, you know, weak, not alpha move of telling Hogan, go ahead and and face Yokozuna for, you know, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. And Hogan wins the title, so... You know, we haven't seen Brett in a, in a couple weeks, and so he comes out. He Vince calls him the People's Champion. We we, we will see a People's uh, the uh, another People's Champion who calls a person who calls himself the People's Champion about five years later, named Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, and so he he this was an interesting way to kind of get Brett back in the good graces with the fans. I, I don't think he was ever not in the good grace with the fans, but Brett basically calls himself the underdog. And he's got a hit list. And the first guy on his hit list is the narcissist, the narcissist Lex Luger. And it's all because of the day before WrestleMania when they were doing the brunch where Luger mm-hmm. hits him with the forearm. And we had only heard about this on WrestleMania, it was like Jim Ross is like, you know, he he had his scoop on the show, 
And um, finally we see video of it. And the reason why we see video of it, and I'm almost sure the reason why he even mentions it is because the videotape release of WrestleMania 9 with this piece of of video of uh, uh, of uh, the brunch on the video. Yeah, it's and, one of the uh, Coliseum home video exclusives. Man. Right. It's, it's so, same with the Sherry Martell and Luna brawling in the see, in the train room. Okay. See, this is a Vince McMahon. Nothing got over on Vince on on this Vince this version of Vince McMahon. The 1993, you know, I don't know what it's 26 years ago, Vince McMahon. Everything's laid out. Everything's organized. You you utilize Raw to to you know to push a videotape version of the pay per view that you just got done selling the replay of the previous week. Like this is this is the Vince who is still kind of on fire here. Like I I wish we still had this version of Vince. Yeah, no, I, I thought this promo was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, little uh, build up of Bret Hart again, which they needed. You know, I mean, like you said, the fans weren't like against him and felt he's a loser. There, he's definitely very popular. He definitely looked very tired. I, I thought that was, <laughs> I'm sure he was very tired, but uh, yeah, I thought it was cool and I liked the punchline. Is basically like he had his hit list: narcissist, Yokozuna. And then he's coming for the title against Hulk Hogan, which people did react to. And that was, you know, this is also, like you said, this is, you know, great fence of just throwing out that little Easter egg, that little nugget. Oh, yeah. To build oh, yeah. up to what they thought was going to be their main event in, in SummerSlam, Hulk Hogan versus Bret Hart. But uh, but I, I like that. I like this interview a lot. It was, it was really good. And it just, you know, it was funny because Bret was always known as, like, maybe not strong on interviews. And... I thought that was a very strong interview, and also like you tell your Brett talk about his being shy on interviews when he first started out, and like he didn't really get comfortable in front of the camera. But then when he put the glasses on, he felt like a little protected. Yeah. And here he had you know no glasses with you know, so he's definitely you know he's feeling confident and and looking good. And I thought this was like a, a really good promo, and like I really like I really miss Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, like, I always thought he was great. He's one of my favorites to watch. But it's like almost like going back, watching this stuff. It's like makes me appreciate him a lot more. You know? Well, the other thing is that I just got done, you know, I guess last week I watched the, the Bret Hart Montreal Screwjob Viceland documentary. And then I heard Jim Cornette's, the, you know, the Jim Cornette Experience podcast where Jim goes through all of the detail of that entire situation of uh, of Montreal and and you know talking about Brett, so I feel like I have like Brett Hart on the mind right now, and to see this interview, I was just like, wow, like this is you know because this version of Brett, and, and what's kind of crazy, right, is if we look at the end of his WWE career, which ends in, you know, November of 97, he's really only on top for four years. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a, he's a top guy in WWE for four years, and then he's gone, and then he goes to WCW, and, you know, his WCW career is just sort of, you know, up and down, and he's often injured, and, you know, he's kind of away from TV, and, you know, he's take you know, for whatever reason... But it just made me realize, like, wow, like, you know, this is, like, baby Brett as a main event guy. Actually, it would have been five years because he got the title in uh, 92, right? Mm-hmm. So it would have been five years. He's, he's on top for five years. 
and but it's still like a, a, a younger version of him and I just was like wow you know he's still in the early stages of being like that top guy but by you know by end of night you know by 94 95 he's like the guy like there, there's yeah. no doubt that he's the guy for them yeah yeah 94 definitely he's the guy come Wrestlemania t- uh, 10 but like I love the the ascension of his singles run from winning the title for, to Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam and a great match. And, like, he was on fire as Intercontinental Champion, right? And they really pretty much pushed him pretty hard. I mean, the whole Rest of the Year award he won, and, and like, they're just kind of, like, he was, like, I remember people just, like, talking about, like, Brett's the man, Brett's the man. So people wanted it, you know? And, and he finally won the title for his flair and... and and it was all, you know, but I think they really figured it out next year. It's like, okay, Brett is the guy. It's not going to be Luger, which, yeah. which I think, I don't think as much it was Luger's fault as like the WWE machine's fault at this time. Cause there's no way, well, we'll talk about it in the future, but there's no way you can get a baby face over by winning a count out and celebrate like he won the <laughs> Olympics. I'm sorry. He just looked like a dork. And same, same, with the, same with the Road Warriors at Starcade 87. Yeah, just, you know, they never really re- recovered from that. They, they, they're they still cool. And people also like Road Warriors, but, like, come on, man. You can't make these guys look like dorks. And you expect people to get behind them. So the main event, technically the main event of this show, is Bam Bam Bigelow against Phil Apollo. And Phil Apollo is also plays a version of Doink at some point, right? I believe he does, but Ray Apollo's we we're corrected. <laughs> so so okay, so this is what this is where I keep screwing. I keep screwing up because I knew that we screwed up on the Ray Apollo thing, um, and so I think I just screwed it up again. No, so it is. Uh, it, okay, so you know what? It's you know what guy. I do? You know what I do? I'm going to read the Doink the Clown Wikipedia page just so I make sure that I never screw this up again. Because I feel like I knew it and I still screwed it up because I was so. I was just thinking about it. Okay. Most popularly played by Matt Bourne. And then he has been portrayed by many other wrestlers in WWF and on the independent circuit. Um, let's see. Played by Nick Dinsmore. Played by Steve Lombardi. Uh, played by Matt Bourne. But they don't say anything about Ray Apollo. Ray Apollo. Yes, Ray Apollo is the guy. So we keep giving Phil Apollo credit for Doink and. Uh, we should not give him credit anymore. I just hope Phil Apollo is not on Raw anymore, so I don't screw that up. Okay, so so it's it's a Bam Bam against Phil Apollo, and basically what I was going to say is that Bam Bam is really amazing in this match. Like, yeah. he's, he's, like, legitimately, he looks like he should also be the next WWF champion just in this match with Phil Apollo. Yeah, and or, or or challenging for the title against Hogan or something like that in a future big match. Like, yeah, they I mean, I mean, I, I love Bigelow, one of my favorite big men, and like like I said, I've mentioned this before in our previous episodes. Like, the fun of like rewatching these '93 Raws is like we're getting a lot of Bam Bam, and one of my favorites to watch. So, 
yeah, he, he looked good and he looked on fire. And, and uh, Phil Apollo was a good worker and he, you know, had a good match with him. And it was nice, 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 nice feature squash match for Bam Bam. I, uh, he was fast. He was strong. Um, and then, you know, the, the spot that I mentioned where uh, he misses the corner avalanche. And then Phil Apollo's like, oh, I, I, I'm about to get my comeback. And he shoots a drop kick and Bam Bam just like, pushes his legs out of the yeah. way that was awesome all oh, those those shoulder tackles that he does like when he comes off the ropes and just looks like he destroys guys now guys just go bink 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 <laughs> it's like put some like look like you're trying to kill the fool you come know? on man they gotta get to the next thing yep exactly they're rushing too much so he he does the headbutt off the top gets the gets the pin and then he goes up there and does it a second time and he's about to do it a third time and the the guy of all guys to come and make the save, who last week we talked about a little bit, Friar Ferguson comes out to save Phil Apollo from getting hit with this headbutt for the third time. And so the the weird thing about this, right, is is it's like okay, like if you're trying to make Friar Ferguson like this kind of like this baby face, you would have him maybe stand up to Bammer. And be like, no, you're not doing this to this guy ever again. Like, you can't do it. No, he waits for Bam Bam to turn around and then he like kicks him. It's like, God, what a what a wuss you are, Fry Ferguson. Yeah, and, and Bam Bam, come on, man, hit that third head, but yeah. it's just taking a long time to get to that <laughs> So uh next week we have a, a match between Crush and uh Lex Luger. And they're kind of teasing that, you know, Lex Luger's got this this uh, steel plate in his forearm and that, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of going in that direction with it. So I, I'm sure we'll see something about that. Um, like I said, uh, I think I think Bartlett gets replaced on the next show. Um, I think we mentioned this one time before, but the one, two, three kid is about to come in. So we'll start to see him at some point. And uh, I, I think I'm a, I think I'm like one week ahead with this comment, but Melter is talking about Jim Ross and his influence about what's going on. And like the point that he made is that people thought that Vince was going to change Jim and that he wasn't going to be able to be Jim and that he was going to be like the Vince version of Jim. And Melter said, you know, nobody has told me this, but Jim Ross seems to have gained enormous influence into what's going on. One, Vince talking about Mr. Hughes's college football background on superstars and the Steiners' college degree. People all thought Vince would change when it looks like it's the other... People, people thought Vince would change Ross, but it looks like it's the other way around. The second thing is that there's a tournament on television during sweeps. So this is leading into the King of the Ring. Uh, and the third thing is Bonnie Blackstone getting a tryout to host stand-up interviews a la Raymond Rougeau and event centers. And the fourth, Bruce Pritchard getting a television role, which we haven't seen on Raw yet. I'm sure that's also on uh, on Superstars. And then five, at least one upcoming angle that has Ross's fingerprints all over it. I'm sure we will see some of it, some of that in the uh, upcoming shows. And six, the big push for Mr. Hughes, who Ross has always been high on. Well, I don't know if Ross had anything to do with any of this. It doesn't seem coincidental. So it sounds like uh, Mr. Mr. Jim Ross is, is picking up a little bit of influence on WWE TV at this point. 
Um, so before we get out of here, I think I teased this last week that we would try to bring this segment back because we don't have to talk about the road to WrestleMania anymore, which is what's John watching? And I saw that you replied to something that Alan Forel was writing. I think he was talking. Was he talking about the All Japan stuff? Yeah, the All Japan uh, Carn- Champion Carnival Tournament. So is that your is that your uh, what's John Watt is that part of your what's John watching segment? That's all I've been watching lately. Um, okay. I, I did watch the that New Japan show with was Juice and Fale and uh, Ibushi and Zack Saber. I watched that, but uh, I've been watching like every Carnival match um, since April fourth. Actually, when during uh, WrestleMania week, I actually threw it on. Uh, the heartbreak hit Dave Rubio's fire stick. We watched the opening round, and it's been a really good tournament. Uh, um, people are probably wondering, you know, how's the trade of G1? And, you know, this. what I like about All Japan and New Japan is that they're both different styles. Like, All Japan has a very, I feel it's like an older style. Very, it's not as athletic. It's a lot more smash mouth. And, you know, matches don't feel as smooth and as choreographed as New Japan. Which I like. I like that it's it's it feels rough. It feels real, and uh, there's been a lot of really good matches. Uh, my favorite match so far in the tournament is uh, between uh, Yuji Okabayashi and Dylan James. And it was like 30 minute Broadway. It was two bulls just beating the shit at each other. I'm not talking about. There's like hard chops, hard clotheslines, big slams, brawls on the outside, a potato, dude got a black eye, busted open, like, it was freaking just great. And then Yuji Okabayashi, the next day, after having that war for 30 minutes, comes in, comes back to have another war with Zeus, and so it's been really good, um, guys are really standing out, um, guys like, well, Kenta Mihara for sure, one of the best out there today. He's having a good tournament, of course. Uh, Zeus is looking fantastic. If I'm a kid in Japan and all Japan was on TV, like Zeus would be my favorite wrestler. He's like looks like an Adonis. He has a lot of fire and charisma. You know, he just he just looks like a superhero. I'd totally be into him if I was a kid. You know, like he'd be my hero. And you know, Yuji Okabayashi is from Japan. He's an outside talent. Tons of charisma. Total bulldozer. I mean, I love watching that guy. And the guy I'm really excited about that's been standing out is Dylan James from Australia. He's a just a huge man, big guy. Um, and he's just so good. Like, if, you, if you're a big guy on the indie scene and you're trying to, like, who do, I, who do I watch to learn from a big man? Like, I would say, hey, check out Dylan James All Japan because he just – he registers things great. He sells great. Um, like – he does like little things that a guy of his experience, he's been, oh, he's been wrestling for a good while now. He's been in Japan for a good while. But like, just like, there's a moment where he's wrestling, uh, uh, Suji Ishikawa and they're just chopping the shit at each other back and forth. And they're exhausted. And they're sweating. And it's been a long, grueling match. And like, they're, you know, the little chop exchange in the middle of the ring, right? You see it playing ties back and forth. Boom, 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 boom. But like, they're slowly just beating each other, like, right, taking their time. And at one point, he, Dylan James gears back to give him one of the most big chops again, but then he just kind of, huh, the exhaustion kicks in. He kind of crumbles for a second, but then he hits the chop. Like, like that stuff, like, I love that little detail. Like, he just brings you into the matches and, and brings you into the story they're trying to tell. 
and he's been having a hell of a tournament. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about that for him because uh, I really enjoy watching him work. He's not a strong promo guy. Like I can't see him like maybe getting. A, I don't know if he really fits in the U.S. because like you, know, you got to have a good promo to really get over. But uh, I mean, I haven't really seen much in all Japan with his promos. Every time he does a backstage thing, it's it's just not his strength. But like when it comes to in ring, he is fantastic and and I've been enjoying the hell of tournaments. It's it's coming up to an end here soon. It's going to be uh, a couple more shows and it's going to be the finals and. Tomorrow, I think it's uh, Kento Mihara and Yuji Okabayashi is going to be that match. Is going should be, should be freaking phenomenal. So I'm pretty excited. So what, like, what, what is your prediction for the end of this thing? Oh man, um, I keep, I think, because Kento Mihara hasn't won a carnival yet. I think he's sitting at eight points. He's like he's like in second place. I think he's going to slip in and 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 win it. Because he's already lost, actually lost three times in the tournament. He lost to uh, Zeus, which was a, f- a hell of a match. Um, he lost to um, Shuji Ishikawa. So he already has like, a couple challengers set up. So he can win it, and there's still challenges for him to face in the upcoming shows. He also lost to Gian Vellante, who's a Italian wrestler. Um, who's not the best. There's a Bruce Brody gimmick. Not the best. Um, he's trying hard. He works hard, but like it is thing where like all Japan has a really hard problem booking ref distractions, right? It's like it never comes off. It looks like shit. It, <laughs> it like it like it's like their weakness. It's like stop booking these U.S. bullshit ref distraction finishes. Just keep it clean. Keep it simple. You know, it just it just so like him losing to cutting me hard losing to. Gian Vellante is like, wow, I was like shocked. But, like, it didn't get over that big because the referee literally saw him get hit with a chain, like, in front of him, you know? And so, it, like, it, it got over, like, a fart in the elevator. Like, just, 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 it was, yeah. So, I don't know if you'll see that match in the future, singles match with those two guys, even though he, he, he did beat the Triple Crown Champion, should get a title shot. I think they might forget that one. But definitely, Zeus and Ishikawa will get a title shot in the future. And that's why I think Kento Mihara is going to end up uh, winning this thing as a champion. But like I said, he has some challenges set up for him. Cool, man. So uh, this weekend, I will be at Bellator. You will uh, have some 411 on on how Brian Alvarez and, and Jungle Boy goes. Wait, what's the main event of the APW show? Um, the... the- the main event is gosh, this is, on the is top it, side. Of right is now. it? Is this? Is it? Uh, Fatu and Luster. Yes. 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 Okay. Gosh. Gosh. It's twelve thirty. <laughs> but yes, it's the, the Fatu and Luster, which should be hell of a match, definitely. And it's a, this. This card's pretty stacked. There's a good match with Adam Thornstow and uh, Steve Tresario is a good young talent coming up. So good match for him. Um. A lot of cool, a lot of cool stuff going on this car. So definitely check it out. Come on down, come on down to Union City and check out Opera Wrestling. You won't be disappointed. We always put on a pretty good show, and we got a good roster, a lot of talent. All right, man. So next week uh, we'll be back, same time. Hope I think pretty much we'll, we'll usually be in this in this uh, on this day. So sometimes stuff changes for us, and maybe it's on a Thursday. But Wednesday, Thursday is usually our sweet spot. 
But uh, but yeah, so we'll be back, um, and uh, we'll have uh, all of the stuff that is going on in the world of MMA and boxing and pro wrestling. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.